Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the frog DNA fragment to my fully functional and breeding dinosaur, Mr. Rob Ungren. How you doing? <laughs> I'm what makes life find a way. <laughs> it's my gold boom laugh impression. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing I've ever done. All right, moving right along. <laughs> How's it going, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Tired. Uh, Such is the life of a parent. Yeah, the weather changed, and it got really warm and sunny in Portland, which, you know, I guess is a weird thing, but everything blooms, so I've just been having random sneezing fits like I, I it's not like hay fever it's just like i'm kind of tooling along and i'll go fine for hours and i'll just inhale and it, and my nose is like not not having any of that it's all coming out right now that's okay because here in austin it's uh you know the season of everything wants to murder your sinuses yeah i don't miss that yeah i don't I miss that don't. at all i know you don't you suck for not having to suffer through it like i am february is the worst though that's when the cedar goes <laughs> oh yeah no no february was by far the worst but uh yeah, it was a very wet spring so far, so everything's like, hey, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> All right, well, we need to get started with uh, some corrections. I misspoke in the last episode. <laughs> but it's funny, because I went back and looked at the way we played, and we played it right. I just said it wrong. I really shouldn't, like, gloat about this as much as I am going to, because I think I've had three of these in my day. And this is your first, but it's... How did Jim Rayner say it in, in the trailer for StarCraft Two? It's about damn time. <laughs> Jonathan, a couple episodes ago, we mentioned you took a trip to Board Game Land. Well, the, the fruit of that, of that labor is out. Uh, you were on episode 20 of Flip Flory Super Saturday Board Game Serial. Yes, I was, and uh, it was super, super fun. Flip's, like, just one of the nicest guys on the planet. I got to hang out with him here in Austin a little while back, and we... Just kind of hit it off and talked about it a bit, and uh, then we had a chance to sit down and record it, and it's completely um, completely unrealistic and just wacky and silly, and I think that's what makes it funny and makes it totally work, and now I'm just kind of jonesing for the game that we talked about. Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking about that. I mean, I mean, maybe not the theme, but I actually maybe with the theme. Like, you know what, you know what I would mix with, with your theme about, you know, doing some sort of uh, uh, HeroQuest board game, but trying to get ratings? Do you remember that old arcade game, Maximum Carnage? Oh, yeah. Of course I do. <laughs> that. Maximum Carnage. Carnage. Yeah. It's like the Running Man meets... Well, don't forget about Smash TV. Yeah, yeah. So, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was it's thinking. It's a new car. <laughs> You've just murdered half the population of Seattle. More money, more prizes. <laughs> but, yeah, um... Oh, the 80s were great for terrible, violent uh, game shows of the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think The Running Man set the stage, but there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that dystopian game show of the future going on. Yeah, where did that genre of movie go? We need more of that. Uh, I think it became the zombie apocalypse. 
I think that's where we shifted to because because like in in the eighties we were worried that you know corporations would become our overlords and you know Roman esque style gladiatorial entertainment, which I found out the other day is mostly a lie and a myth that we tell ourselves. But yeah, that's a whole other topic. But now now our um, if you want to go looking for you know the dystopian future, we're kind of living it, but it's kind of a cruddy one, you know. Yeah. Because everybody's just sort of like, you know, not really good at doing anything. Like, we don't even have cool Smash TV. We just, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. It's a whole other topic. It's philosophical. There's a list. I found a list online that we're living in a really cruddy dystopian future. And it was like, you know, there might be something to that. Send me that. I'm kind of curious about that. I saw it a long time ago. I'll have to go fishing for it. I think it was something on Twitter. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could totally make that argument. I'm totally with that. I think that's a pretty valid statement <laughs> that we're living in a really really cruddy dystopian future right now yeah, yeah. kind of feels that way kind of <laughs> feels that way well in other podcast news uh you too were on another podcast and this one you produced yeah i did it all by myself it took a while to to kind of get it out but yeah 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 so uh the wife and i we played uh the first dragon quest game we talked about last episode it's out it came out last friday which is uh uh what i was hoping for that uh, the friday before Episode 40. Oh, this is recording it. We did it a week early. Ooh. Yippee. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We uh, we just talked about it, and the first episode was a little rough, you know, and, and we re-recorded the beginning three times. Need I, need I point at our first episode to understand just how far a show can come? Why are you people still listening to that? Yeah, that's a weird thing, isn't it? Yes. Yes. I don't understand. Like, all of our early episodes are very, very continually popular, and the later ones, which are much better people, like, uh, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I guess it's like they're, bin- they're binging us, so, like, they listen to the recent one, because our, our, you know, our listening numbers are going up, but then they go back and listen to all the old ones, and then eventually kind of give up at some point. And, but, yeah, all of the first, like, ten episodes are just very, very popular, continually. To, to all of our new listeners, while I applaud your completionism, Maybe some things are better left in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't really even hit our swing until about episode eight, and yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. I mean, like, look, if you if you listen to ten on, I'm going to be comfortable with that. The first ten were a little rough. <laughs> first twelve, you mean? We had two pilots. Yeah, well, I I can't even control those. I can't, I don't even count those. <laughs> Remember the old days, Robert, when we had a third chair. <laughs> And I was sitting across from you, and then I wasn't because uh, I had twins. That, that, that I miss. That I miss. I do miss that. We're gonna have to record like the the cruddiest, most half-assed episode ever when I come out for a visit. Because no, it's gonna be manic and insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. But anyway, yes, uh, JRPG Book Club episode one came out. Uh, Gina and I are currently hard at work on episode two, and uh, we've been getting some good feedback. Uh, apparently, a lot of people are very nostalgic for the uh, the Dragon Warrior games, so that was kind of fun. I, I've actually I've gotten a fair amount of feedback about that episode. So, oh, I was surprised about how many people listened to it just just purely on like I remember Dragon. Well, Quest. I mean, they keep bringing them over to the states and and localizing them, so they must have yeah, an audience. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it, it, it's good times and. Uh, I actually, uh, I actually beat Dragon Quest two the other day. Actually, so I, I'm ready to go. Uh, Gina's not as far along at this point, um, but yeah, we should be. We're we're on track to getting that one out uh, on time. So yeah, well, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm I'm kind of like looking ahead because I think we're gonna have to split Dragon Quest three into two episodes because it's long. But there's a good kind of split point 
there's like a, a good final act that's kind of its own thing that we can you know kind of dive into and then there's the the first part of the game so and gina doesn't know anything about that so it's gonna be fun when it happens there's gonna there's a what a twist in the third one that's really good so i will not spoil it for anybody who hasn't played dragon quest 3 but it is by far of the original three games the best of them so and there's a there's a there's a fun what a twist and it's much better if you've played them all so i'll leave it at that i'll leave it at that so but that's coming out soon hopefully like I'm setting the arbitrary date of the Friday before 41, 42. I don't know. I, I got nothing. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It'll come out when it's out and when it's ready, and I will listen. Well, thank you. And uh, last but not least, Jonathan, and I forgot to write it down because I am a, a good notes guy, but thank you to all our wonderful Patreons out there in Patreon land. Yes, absolutely. As always, you guys help keep the lights on, and we appreciate that. Um, without you, we can do half the fun stuff that we do. And we are uh, we we are setting a date for the yeah 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 we're, for the bright we, walkthrough right yeah 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 I thought that was next Monday is that next Monday I think so I'm down I'm down I don't do I got nothing on Monday nights yeah 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 so I I think that was the plan and and this time there's no spring break or I, I can just get rid of all my responsibilities I don't want to talk to that Robert guy <laughs> I hang out with you instead. <laughs> so yes we are going to be recording a an audio track to the movie bright it's basically going to be you and i just kind of analyzing it live as we watch it it's probably going to be stupid but that's all right that's kind of half our shtick and uh and we can't call it a riff track or even references at a riff track because riff track is a trademark mark turn so i think i will call it a what a chatty album i don't know a witty DVD? I don't know. I got nothing, but we'll figure it out. But we can't call it a riff track. That is trademarked. We'll just do commentary. Commentary. There you go. It's a commentary track. Commentary by two guys who had nothing to do with the film that's and right. don't really know what they're talking about. That's right. About. For your viewing pleasure, two guys who have absolutely no history nor knowledge of the production of this film talking about this film. I lived kind of near L.A. once. So did I. Yeah. I recognized some of the sets. <laughs> the locations if you will yeah yeah i've been i've been to la i've been to la oh that man counts. that was a long time ago legit that was a long time ago yeah yeah i know i was thinking of the same thing i was watching uh, a couple months back i was watching some episodes of the shield and you know that was all shot in la and i'm, wa- I'm looking at it and i'm like oh man that totally looks like the last time i looked at it and then i looked at the production date and it's like 2001 2002 and i'm like oh it was and then i did the math and i got really sad <laughs> <laughs> i hate that when you're like man that show was really good you know it was it was why haven't they made a show like that in the last 19 years <laughs> yeah i was I, I i need to find my my dvd copies of babylon 5 i'm feeling the itch to go through that show again and uh yeah i'm, I'm gonna do the the, the dates on that and, I'm gonna and, and watch the sad. awesome 16 poly models yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those aren't going to hold up very well. No, no, that part's not. They should just remaster it and do it like Star Trek. That show was good. Yeah, I like the Star Trek remasters. Those look good. The new special yeah. effects and stuff. All right. Well, as always, we are going to be starting with our off the shelf. And this is going to be a packed one. I've had a busy two weeks. I have not. Well, let's get video games out of the way, shall we? So I, I climbed down, uh, I, I jumped down the rabbit hole of Destiny 2 once more, and I played Destiny 2 once more. Congratulations? <laughs> they put out an update which uh, made PvP better, I guess. That was, that was the idea anyway. And then they introduced uh, 6v6 instead of 4v4 for the latest uh, PvP event. 
And I got to say, like, it was it was very engaging. I, I got like five good days where I, I was just very obsessed with it. And uh, but in the back of my mind, uh, I was like, there's there's Overwatch loot boxes. So I, I, I kind of I, I finally lost interest today, actually. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Like the PvP updates, a lot of fun. And the change they made to 6v6 uh, made it a more like a you, you got engaged at like a relatively short range and a relatively long range where the 4v4 was uh, basically medium to short medium range, if that makes any sense. And I don't know why adding two more people into a map does that, but it did, and it was fun, and it really changed things up, and it made me, you know, I had to, like, use different weapons because my go-to PvP weapons were not functioning well at all. Like, actually having to think again and, and you know, like, change my tactics, it, it was it was fun. It was fun. So, yeah, good on them. Like, you know, it's weird. It, isn't that weird, though? Think about that as, as game design. You know, I, even in a, a video game, just, just slightly altering your map mechanics you know, can result in a, a very large shift in how the game actually functions, you know? Yeah. And I would never have thought that. I would never have thought, you know, put two more people into into PvP and it, it completely changes the game. Yeah, well I mean I mean that's a that's a large jump in player count. That's a whole lot more to track. Yeah, yeah. But I mean even there's some maps that are really way too large for four people and even even six and it was still the same way. Like yeah, you just you, you engaged at a much longer range and I don't know. It was cool. It was cool. It made you me had to have your sniper maps. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Well, they made sniper rifles much better, so maybe that had something to do with it. But yeah, no, I was just it was I was just fascinated. I'm like I was trying to figure out why why the two extra people pushed everything out so much, but I don't know. It was cool. I I, I was having a fun philosophical like why is this working? What what does this say about game design? And then I was like, <laughs> I'm murdering you with my crimson. Ah! My knife gun gun knife. So you didn't write down any video games. That's because I have a sad, sad life and did not have a chance to play a video game. Aww. Uh, no, I've just been really, really busy. Just had a chance to fly a little bit in DCS, and that's about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nothing, uh, nothing outlandish. Oh, that's not true. I did play a little bit of Sea of Thieves. Now that I've kind of figured it out, it's a lot of fun. There's just no point in playing that without other humans. Period. That's it. Yeah, I'm going to be curious if you get the, uh, the Ubisoft one that's also kind of the... Uh you know the the assassin's creed black flag pirate stuff but just that because they're they're making that too so there's gonna be like two pirate games out at the same time yeah but that's a different thing like that uh the sailing stuff and the 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 ship warfare and the assassin's creed games that is you know a, a very different tone than sea of thieves sea of thieves is just kind of goofy and silly and fun it's all about the co-op stuff well, it's gonna the the black or the I forget what it's called. I think it's called Skull and Bones or something. But yeah, that game's gonna be multiplayer as well. Like I said, it's we're Jonathan. We're living in a golden age of uh, multiplayer pirate games, so we should just rejoice. Yeah, I mean that that's a legitimate statement because that is a good thing. <laughs> there are never enough multiplayer pirate games in your life. I don't think there's ever been a period of multiplayer pirate <laughs> games. No, there were a couple of weird little pirate games in the past. There's there's a Pirates MMO. I remember that. It didn't last very long though. Was there? What was it? Yeah, I remember I remember it. I, I saw it on a YouTube video. Anyway, this is this is fascinating radio. I was vaguely remembering things, so <laughs> let's move on. All right. Well, what about movies and TV? You watched a lot of Lost in Space. <laughs> like yes a metric no. ton of Lost in Space. Yes and no. So I got um I'm only three or four episodes into the new show on, on Netflix. But I got to say, like, I don't know what it is about the Internet where they just say 
things like, oh, the show's not very good and it's not doing well. I'm like, dude, the show's fine. I, I like it better than I like Star Trek Discovery, you know? <laughs> I thought it was great. I, I watched it as well and I loved it. I thought it was super fun. Um, it's different than the original, but it should be. It's been 50 years and it's not the movie, but that's a good thing too because the movie was, uh, was a little rough. Yeah, yeah, it had it had some problems. It had some problems, yeah, but yeah, no, some? I, I <laughs> the 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 boy and his robot thing. It's been done to death, but you know, it's it. They did it fine. You know, I I, I enjoy that part of it. I like the robot. The robot's fun. And oh, you mean uh, the Doctor uh, Stentgeth? Yes, yes. <laughs> if you're a Mass Effect fan, go and take a look at the Lost in Space robot. You'll you'll understand that joke. And his high tech space heater powers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you give me some of the space heater for those cold cold nights. <laughs> that's that's actually what he does in the first episode for the family that's right and and i gotta say like um i'm very sensitive to to the way fathers are written in tv like the f- one surefire way to just piss me off is if you write a father poorly you know maybe it's because i am one or something but I, I i like john robinson you know like I, I don't know what he did to piss off his family as much as he did because I'm, i haven't gotten there yet it's really obvious that the oldest judy yeah judy it's it's really obvious that he did something to piss off Judy and he's trying to fix it and instead of like doing impassioned speeches at her or you know TV bullcred, you know, he's just kind of hanging around, he's just engaging with her, he's just trying to get her to talk back at him over time cuz it it takes him a few episodes for her to kind of crack. He, he like gives her her space and and just tries to engage with her and when she brushes him off, he just he, he gets that little twinge of disappointment but he keeps on trucking and I'm like, "You know what?" That's how real people behave. That's exactly yeah. no, how you the, should the handle it. Family that. dynamics and the relationships are the, the, one of the best parts about that show. Yeah, no, it's per, and, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe, maybe people who don't like it, like maybe they're just not adults with kids, like or you know, and and have a family dynamic for them to like realize that that show's doing it very well. Yeah, and maybe that's why they think it's a little boring because it's not doing it like a TV way. It's doing it like in the real world way. And I'm like, you know, I that's good. Like we need more actual real way you're supposed to handle your family not this fake tv i'm gonna give a speech and hand him a pudding pop or something you know what i mean yeah agreed agreed i i thought it was fine i thought it was a a fun show like i i've watched the whole thing and i really really enjoyed it from start to finish and that's saying something because i can generally be pretty hypercritical about tv which is not to say that it's a perfect product at all but it is a fun product you know i i had fun with it i will tell you this much the thing that irritated me the most was in the first episode and happened in the first few minutes, and I can't let it go. There's a measurement on the screen in meters, and then the computer's barking things out in feet, and that just bugs the living daylights out of me. Ten bucks says in the European release, it gives it meters. They just gave it to feet because, you know, uh, us Americans haven't converted to the superior metric system yet. No, it's just not okay with me, and I'm not letting it go. Okay. I, I'd stupid let. computer. <laughs> no wonder you crashed, stupid ship. My 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 favorite part was uh we we, we the nickname we have for uh, John Robinson around here is uh Captain Eel Stabber. <laughs> Cuz he played Captain Shoot. Who do you, Captain Yeah, he was what? the captain in uh Black, Black Sails. Flag. Black Sails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's 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 Captain Eel Stabber. Man, he got rid of that accent. That is uh that's an impressive feat in and of itself. <laughs> speaking of which i meant to uh, i meant to bring this up when we were talking about flip florio but we're talking about tv you have a new nickname it's dr btv for bad tv because apparently you're getting doc- your doctorate in bad tv so i am i am indeed you, you are now the doctor <laughs> you should see you should see some of the dvds in my collection i i have and you uh, still haven't watched the prisoner which worse. <laughs> 
You still need to watch The Prisoners. Yes, That's I know. An amazing I show. really, really, really do. I just ran out of time. <laughs> so anyway, I because I'm watching Lost in Space with other people and they won't let me watch it when I'm they're not around, I watched the movie again because it's on Netflix and why not? And <sighs> that movie irritates me the same way it irritated me when it came out, which is it almost hit what it needed to hit. It just kind of missed every time. And it didn't miss by a lot. But, you know, like you're sitting there and you're like wanting to like what's going on, but they just don't quite land it every single time. And you're like, oh, yeah. <sighs> you know what I mean? That movie could have been something. It was close. Yeah, it was. It just, I. I Unfortunately, I, it comes up so short in so many different ways that there's just nothing to grasp onto there. It's just bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, it's just, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we, we noticed after we watched the pilot episode of the new show that the it says it's very specifically based off of the script for the original pilot to Lost in Space, the one that didn't have uh, uh, Dr. Smith at all. And uh, and I, I got kind of curious, so I, I tracked the original pilot down. It's uh, all that streaming on Hulu right now, I, or so I'm told on the Internet. Um, and, uh, I, I was watching that and it was, it was weird. Like the, the show was very different in its original incarnation between its first and second sort of pilot. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could see where they got it from because, you know, the, the first episode was a little bit more, I want to say realistic because they, you know, they crash on a planet and they, you know, it's going to freeze. And yeah, there's a lot of, there's quite a few plot points that they kind of plucked out of that script in particular and put into the the revamp show and if anything i'm saying sounds familiar if you watch the original show apparently they they cut up all the footage and especially the special effects shots from that first episode the original pilot and peppered them into the first five episodes so they didn't waste any of that precious special effects footage well there but you yeah, go there you go you did watch of, a lot of lost in space and i, I too, did I actually watch the whole series and i gotta tell you it gets my stamp of approval it's super fun it's uh family friendly which i appreciate mm-hmm. and uh, honestly it's just fun good medium weight sci-fi and i'm okay with that yeah 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 don't don't listen to the haters on the internet no not at all not at all i don't get where it's coming from it's silly and and nonsense in my hateful opinion (laughs) all right (laughs) moving right along well in my hateful opinion so i i've been uh i've been trying to read books that i've kind of abandoned because i want to buy a new book but i have like five that i've read like between 50 and 70% of and then kind of stopped. So I'm like, I need to get through some of these before I can buy something fun and new for myself because darn it, I have a bad habit ever since I worked at Borders to collect books and not finish them. So I finally finished the the Dracula reboot from uh, Iceland, The Powers of Darkness. Holy crap, what did I read, Jonathan? What was that? I don't know, you seemed split on it last time we talked about it. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> like there were parts of it that you liked, but the overall package was pretty turtleicious. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So the book, because um, uh, I, I bought it on uh, iBooks, so it, it says it's like three hundred odd pages, and I'm reading it, and I'm at, I got to the point where Joshua gets, ba- you know, not Jonathan Harker, Joshua Harker uh, gets back to London after you know Dracula's castle, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm only halfway through this book, and I'm like, no, I must persevere. I will soldier on, and. Uh, so they figure out where Dracula is. You know, he's in Carfax. And so they go to Carfax. And they go to Carfax, like, near sundown. I'm like, you guys are... They know at this point they're fighting a vampire. And they say full on, his powers get stronger when the it's dark. But what do they do? They go near sunset anyway because they're stupid. I hate that. You know, go at sunrise. Darn it. And uh, they go in there. 
and they start, you know, snooping around and they find a box of dirt and then they open it up and Dracula gets in it and that's when the sun sets and Dracula bursts out of the dirt and starts attacking Joshua Harker and then he dies because Val and Helsing stabs him in the chest and the book's over. I'm like, what the heck? And then I looked and the back of the book is all footnotes and appendices. I don't even know how to comment on that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like... It's like this Icelandic author who rewrote Dracula and put in, like, you know, satanic temples and mutant ape men and all this insanity. Uh, made one of the brides, like, a honest-to-God interesting character. You know, chose to rewrite the entire plot, you know, and and and, and poor, whatever. I, I won't get on that. But, you know, it takes a look at the back half of the plot where they're, like, snooping around London and having this, like, shadow war and doing all this cool stuff. And says, nah, that stuff sucks. <laughs> Why would he? Why would he get chased back to Transylvania? That's weak. They just kill him there because. Bah! And I'm like, <sighs> yeah. Ultimately, I, I think I'm gonna have to give Powers of Darkness a thumbs down. It's it's entertaining if you've read Dracula to death, I guess. But you know, just just go watch a bad reboot of Dracula out there. Some go watch Dracula 2000. That was a much better reboot of Dracula than this was. I love that movie. I know it's a bad movie. Make no mistake. I'm fully aware that it's a bad movie, but there's some really cool things in the story that make it worth it. Yeah, that's one of those, uh, yet another one of those movies that that reached for something really interesting and didn't quite grab it, but you can kind of appreciate it for at least the attempt. It reached a lot harder than it should have, given what kind of movie it is. Yeah, that's true. That should have been a straight-to-DVD movie with no thought and no heart. And you know what? That movie's got heart. It's got a great, interesting take on on the mythos. And it, unfortunately, it's just kind of rolled up in a straight-to-DVD package. Although its, it's straight-to-DVD sequel probably has one of the best vampire hunting moments I've ever seen captured on film. It was amazing. I, I, I never saw the sequel. Oh, yo, I, I showed that sequence to you, remember? Where there's the one guy, the, the, the genre-savvy guy who knows Dracula's going to get out, so he prepares for it and gets like the seeds and the rope and, and everything to try to like stall him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that scene alone... It's kind of worth the price of admission on that movie. It, it th- that that part right there was like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then you know, kung fu Catholic priest played by J. Is it not Jason Lee that you're think we're thinking of? But the I think his name is Jason Lee. But anyway, yeah, he uh, he's a kung fu Catholic priest who hunts vampires because that's awesome. Anyway, yes, Jason Scott Lee. That's that's his name, not Jason Lee who was in Mallrats. Jason Scott Lee who was the kung fu Catholic priest because that was awesome with like a knife whip whip knife. Because that's even better. I can't. I can't. I can't take this seriously anymore. All right. Moving right along. I, too, had a chance to watch some movies and some TV shows. Uh, I, I watched. Finally, I got a chance to finish up Alien Covenant. Can't believe it took me four sittings to get through it. But people kept interrupting me. And that's the life of a parent, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Trying mm-hmm. to avoid the nightmares in the house by well, letting him watch the alien. Uh, I thought it was a fun movie. I enjoyed Alien Covenant a lot. I thought it was a... Um, uh, definitely kind of gave a little more legs to uh, Prometheus as well, which was kind of nice. Because Prometheus just kind of meandered and forgot to explain itself, which uh, was not good. And and had these highly trained, awesome scientists and geologists who get trapped underground with scientific equipment they know how to operate. And then decide to touch weird snakes because, yeah, alien life is always precious and, and cuddly and wants to be petted. Yeah, I thought this one handled things a lot better. It was just a better movie all around. Um, rewatch John Wick on an airplane. That movie is uh, continues to be fun, and I have nothing bad to say about it. I, I realize what it is, and it, it is awesome at what it does. 
rewatched The Last Jedi on the same airplane. It was a long trip. And uh, Last Jedi was awesome as well. And you know what? I'm sorry. The last act of that movie is so expertly paced in every way, shape, and form. Last Jedi is phenomenal. The last act especially. And, and you know, I rewatched that last scene uh, where Luke reveals himself to uh, Kylo. And that is just so brilliantly put together in every way, shape, and form. That scene is so good. And the fight in uh, Snoke's throne room. I really like that, too. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, the last act of that movie is just so expertly put together. I'm just, I'm jealous at, at the raw talent showed off there by the director and the writer. And I had a chance to watch The Hateful Eight finally. Uh, I know I'm late to the, to the party with that one. It just kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, I loved it. Quentin Tarantino at his best. Sharp, amazing dialogue. Really great performances. Over-the-top characters. Some good philosophical questions being asked in the middle of Quentin Tarantino dialogue. And it's fun. I really enjoyed it. Still haven't seen it. Get on it, man. It's good. It's really good. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, and finally, it's time to get to some board games. Did you have a chance to play anything? No, but I, I did play another session of RPGs with the daughter. Nice. How'd that go? Uh, it went okay. Uh, I, I, I've learned that it's really hard to keep her engaged after an hour, so I've kind of just given up on that concept. And uh, if you think low-level D&D is going to be fixed by giving your players a bunch of hit points, the answer is no, because they don't have a lot of resources. So I, I leveled them up after this last episode. But, oh, and I almost ate my child with a giant toad, which was fun. Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. But she, she's having fun. She keeps asking about it. She keeps wanting to do it. It's just, in, you know, about, after about an hour, she sort of loses focus. So, Makes but, sense. you know. Yeah, she's six. What, what are you going to do? Well, I had a chance to play a lot of stuff because I got together with some friends uh, over a couple days. And so we kind of powered through games as we often do. So I had a chance to play uh, the draft format of Star Wars Destiny where you buy a draft deck and then you get six, uh, you get six expansion mm. packs. And then you uh, undo three of them, look through them, take a card, pass them over to the other guy, and he passes you history packs. And you go back and forth like that, do a second round with the other three packs and create a deck and go. And it was super fun, and it came down to a single die roll at the end. The die roll went my way. It could have just as easily gone my buddy's way, and that was it. That's cool. Yeah. So it, it, it's only a draft between two people? or Yeah, it's only a draft between two people. You start out with a draft deck that's got some neutral characters in it so that you have something to build off of, even if you don't get a character in your expansions. Mm, okay. And then you get six decks worth of cards, and then you have to build yourself a 30-card a, a deck out of it. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, it's not like magic or anything where you do it like around a table of eight or... No, no. Is that an option or can you just not do that? I suppose. I don't know. It's really kind of designed as a two-player experience, but, you know, the game hmm. is as well, so I kind of uh, understand it. Interesting. Okay. And then uh, I had a chance to play a new game called Kanagawa, which is a, a game about being a painter. And um, it's cool because all the cards have two uses. You can either use them to expand your studio, which basically expands your abilities and what you can paint. Or you can paint them by using your studio abilities. Um, and it's very much resource management. And uh, there's also a, a, certain, um, a certain gambling element to it. Because you have three rows of cards every round. And you display one. And then everybody gets a chance to pick a row if they want it. And if they pick that row, then they don't get to see the next two cards. So if there's that one card you really, really, really want, you're going to jump on it. And, but the, that comes at the cost of two additional options. And hmm. so it's a really nice uh, kind of um, a gamble mechanic. And then I got a chance to play some Century Silk Road, which continues to be awesome and fun. 
just as fun multiple plays in there's a lot more luck involved than there is with splendor there's lots of different ways to mitigate it and it ended up being a, a couple of very very close games uh despite luck really kind of coming into play more than it did in some previous plays i've had which is cool and then i got a chance to play a new game called majesty which may be another splendor killer intriguing go on so in Majesty, everybody has a set number of buildings. Um, I can't remember how many off the top of my head. On these buildings, these buildings are represented by cards in front of you. These buildings each have an action. And what happens is a store is laid out, and this store contains a bunch of different types of citizens. And those citizens get paired up with a specific building. So, um, for instance, a, a brewer would go into the brewery. And if you take a brewer out of the store and put them into your... Um, put them into your building, then you get to take that action. And that involves cashing in on money, potentially getting some meeples, which let you do some other interesting things, uh, etc. And then everybody is basically going to end up with 12 cards at the end of the game. So there's there's only 12 rounds to this. Based on that, you're going to try and make your little point salad uh, based on the actions that you have available to you. And you can also chase for some set collection stuff, which is kind of neat. Hmm, okay. And it's just a, it's a really neat, really well put together game. Uh, it's kind of a, it's tough to wrap your head around it for the first five minutes and then you play one round just kind of like Splendor and kind of like Century and boom, you're off to the races and it's super, super fun. Then nice. we played a game called Decrypto and Decrypto is kind of neat. It's a social deduction game, uh, but it uses uh, kind of that red lens technology. If you remember back to the Sierra games in the uh, early 90s, late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you put a bunch of cards in there and they have uh, they have words in it. And then you, uh, with your partner, you try and get your partner to, or partners, because it's a large, large quantity social deduction game. You uh, you basically try and figure out what the code is based on some some synonyms or some clues in a single word that you give out. So, for instance, if the the letter, is, or pardon me, if the first word is yellow, maybe in the first round you'll say color. Okay. And that tells them, oh, you know, that's the first word in the code. And you have four of these words. And so you have a combination of one, two, three, four that you're trying to figure out. Now, every other round, the other team is going to get to guess based on your guesses uh, what they think the code is. And if they get it right, then that gets them a point. And first one to two points wins. So it's really kind of neat. It's really like super overproduced in all the best ways. It looks great. Uh, and I had a lot of fun with it. Nice. Then I got to play another game called The Mind, and this game it was uh, we were playing a, a prototype form of it, kind of like make your own, and it's really really interesting. You have a, a deck of one to one hundred, and you start okay. out with four lives, and you're not allowed to speak to anybody at, at the table. You just have to use mannerisms and facial expressions to try and figure out who should put a card down first, and you're trying to build your pile lowest to highest. And if for any reason anybody has a card lower than what was put down, then you lose a life. And you start out in round one, and you only have to solve one card each. And then in round two, you have to do two. And in round three, you have to do three, et cetera, et cetera. And it lasts eight rounds. Okay. At the end of every round, you get a reward. Sometimes that reward will be uh, what's called a shuriken. And the shuriken lets you basically, everybody gets to drop the lowest card out of their hand uh, without having to put it in the pile. Uh, or you can get extra lives and whatnot to, to make you a little beefier and allow you to make a couple more mistakes. And it's super fun, and I hear it's coming over to the United States, so uh, I'll definitely be looking into that one when it comes out. That's The Mind. Hmm. And then we needed a card, a deck of cards labeled 1 to 100, so we also played a game called Six Nymphed. 
N I M N T. Yeah, I, that that is a that is an interesting spelling there. Yeah, I don't know where the spelling comes from, but basically, you put out four rows of cards, and everybody is trying to avoid collecting a row by putting out a low card into one of those four cards. And if any, if at any time you cannot put a card lower than anything else out there, you have to take a row of cards into your hand. Uh, hmm. Or pardon me, not into your hand. You take a row of cards into your scoring pile, and every one of the cards has bulls on top of it, anywhere from one to five bulls per card. And you're trying to be the person with the lowest number of bulls at the end of the round. So, but if you get the most bulls, couldn't you line them up in front of you and then have uh, some bulls on parade? Get with it now. That's a little rage humor right there. All right. Then I had also a chance to uh, knock a couple of games off the list robert okay all right first the kids and i played rumble in the dungeon groovy so there's a cool little game you lay out a random dungeon every room in the dungeon gets a little guy uh you each get two secret roles and then you on your turn you get to take one guy and move him into another room or if there are two people in the same room you can declare a fight and remove one of them as the loser of that fight or you can move a guy, and he takes a treasure chest. So there's a couple ways to, to score points. Uh, it's basically, you are trying to protect one of your guys as long as humanly possible. And the longer they're in the dungeon alive, the higher the value of points that they become is if they go out. Now, if you manage to be the last person in the, in the room, you get 10 points. And if you manage to get the treasure chest all the way to the exit with your guy, you get a big set of bonus points. That sounds fun. And that, that's pretty much all that is to it. It's a clever little logic game. Super, super easy and fun to play. Plays really quick, too. The kids really, really liked it. Did you get that from my old shop? I remember we had it. I think I might have, yeah. Hmm, cool. And then finally, um, I sat down with one of my five-year-olds, and Lincoln wanted to play a game, and we had about ten minutes before dinner time. So I taught him how to play zombie dice, and I think I've created a monster. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah, was it. a big fan of zombie dice when yeah. we had it at the shop. He loves it. He he got right into it. He's doing all the math for it, and he's also ready and willing to tell you when um, when you get all the shotgun blasts. So is, is he a gambler, or is he does he play it safe? No, he totally plays it safe. Yeah, that's how Aylin did it, and she always won, which kind of goes to show you. She probably, well, not always. She won more often than not, though. Yeah, we so, split yeah. our games. We split our games, and we had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, though, playing it safe in that game is probably the way to go. So I think, looking at the list, that means I knocked two off and didn't add any. Are you sure you didn't add any? Did you get any games you haven't played? No Kickstarters? No, pick nothing's anything come up? in. It's been quiet. It's been quiet. All right. Well, I have removed Kanagawa and Rumble in the Dungeon, and there has not been nothing added to the list, but there there will be, Jonathan. And where I'm can sure we see you... the list of shame? Uh, it's over on the Forgot My Dice Facebook group. Uh, Forgot My Dice fans Facebook group. And uh, it's getting kind of buried. It took me a while to find it here. Uh, Somebody needs to comment on it. That action. (laughs) Well, if I pin it, then I can't pin the rules to the top. And the rules are important. You can't pin two posts? No, you can't pin two posts. Can you add it to the rules post? Uh, I could, maybe. Oh, or I could add my own comment to it. Maybe that'll push it to the top. I apparently have not done that in several months. (laughs) I'm good, man. I'm really good at this. Nope, that that pushed it to the top. Okay, that's what I gotta do. All right, well, that is what we've had off the shelf. As always, we want to know what you've had off the shelf, and the best place to do that 
is, of course, on our Facebook fans page. Robert, how do they find it? Actually, I think I changed the link on the website. So if you click on the Facebook little tabbiness, it doesn't go to our Facebook page. It goes to our Facebook fans page. And if I haven't done that, I totally should because that's a much better idea. All right. Well, there you go. Fantastic. <laughs> you can also go to Facebook and search for it, which makes it really easy. It's just Forgot My Dice Podcast Fans. Yes, yes, yes. Now I'm double checking that I did that because maybe I had a dream about it. <laughs> oh, no, I did not do that. Well, you know what? I'm going to take care of that during the break. Speaking of Department <laughs> of Corrections. All right. Well, until There will then, be no corrections. I'm taking care of that right now. I so have the power. He said. I'm like He-Man when it comes to this website business, sir. Well, we will be back after a few quick moments and a quick break for our sponsors. I have the power! That's me turning my cat into a battle cat that I could ride. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment, and actually a fair amount of news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found, I found some things. I found some things. As did I. All right. Well, the first thing I found uh, in my, my searches through the wide world of the interwebs is I found some copy for Betrayal Legacy, which got me all like, ooh, I want to play. Yeah, I'm excited about that. It's such a cool game to get a legacy. Betrayal Legacy is the semi-cooperative campaign board game that tells an overarching story of the house on the hill, incorporating actions and choices of the players. Over the course of the campaign, the game is permanently altered until the players are left with a fully customizable, replayable board game version of the critically acclaimed Betrayal in the House on the Hill. Betrayal Legacy is a standalone experience designed in partnership by Avalon Hill and the award-winning legacy designer Rob Daviau. Fans of the original Betrayal at the House on the Hill will enjoy this fresh take on the classic game. However, there's no previous experience necessary to play. Even players new to the brand can jump in, explore, and affect the spooky history of the legendary House on the Hill. Ages 12 plus, players 3 to 5, playtime 45 to 90 minutes. So yeah, key things, key things right there. When they say replayable, do you think that means you can re-rack it, or do you think it just means you can play with the board, kind of like uh, Charterstone? I don't know. That seems like some pretty intentional language. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Still excited. I like I like that the house builds on itself, you know? And I, Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, Jonathan, that each chapter of the game is just basically like a sequel, you know? <laughs> like, that's how they frame it. Because that would be amazing. That would be cool. Amazing. And if it's not framed that way, but you can still headcanon that, just headcanon it. It'll be great. It'll be great. I can't wait. That game looks super fun. No, ag- agreed. And, you know, the original Betrayal is so cool, too. So I'm really excited to see it with legacy elements. I think that'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it's perfect. Mantic, up to some, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Mantic in the last episode because they're the ones doing the Hellboy game. Yeah, well, we talked about them doing Walking counting Dead. and down the days. I'm counting down the days. <laughs> So we talked about them doing uh, Walking Dead. Just a couple left. All out. Stop whispering, man. First off, I don't. I don't know that's you. So I'm like, what? What is that? Is that a ghost? Because anyway, I gotta stop whispering. Stop whispering. Just don't do it. Just stop. Just stop, Jonathan. You're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> In so many ways. 
<laughs> so they've been doing uh, scenery crates and they have them for, you know, kind of post-apocalyptic for, uh, you know, All Out War and they've got Star Saga. And apparently they noticed that their Dungeon Saga uh, scenery crates like outsold all the other ones by like, you know, a billion D to one, I'm sure, because, you know, it's fantasy and everybody loves that. So uh, they're making more fantasy scenery crates and they're they're going to bring them out soon. And I went over to their website and was checking them out. And yeah, it's pretty pimp. They've got like magical libraries and, of course, the requisite like medieval kitchen stuff. And yeah, there's just a lot of cool, like a creepy ass portal. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff there. And M- Mantic makes really good stuff. So it, I, no, they really, really do. Their minis are great. Yeah. And, and you know what? If they're making more fantasy scenery, then it means it'll be easier to get because they've uh, they've apparently partnered up with a new distributor and all that so they're really going to push this like fantasy scenery which is great because you know i don't know if you've heard of a little game called dungeons and dragons jonathan but i hear on the internet it's pretty big right now so this will probably be perfect for anybody who plays D or or like descent and and any of the adventure board games that could use terrain like that too yeah i might have heard one or two things about that thing. yeah yeah would, would star would star wars benefit from terrain because they do have star they do have sci-fi terrain too yeah, of course it would. Of course it would. There's all kinds of terrain rules in the rule set. There you go. See? See? Or Legion? Or, or, yeah, Star Wars Legion? Yeah. How about the upcoming Hellboy? There you go. Ah, got it. <laughs> got it in there. Yeah, just go go over to their website. It's it's on their, their shop blog or something like that, or their shopping page is coming soon. I, I forget where I found it. I'll, I'll go look it up and put it in the show notes. I won't be lazy. Maybe I'll be lazy. I'll try not to be lazy, people. But yeah. It looks really cool. You know what happens on Wednesday, right, Robert? Mm. The Hellboy Kickstarter starts. Really? Yeah, April 25th. I'm super excited. What? What? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, hold on. Record scratch and stop the stop the podcast. Jo- Jonathan, you're excited about this Hellboy thing? Yes, I really am. No. This is this is news to me. I, I've never heard you be excited about Hellboy. I I kind of vaguely remember you saying that you know Hellboy is kind of like okay, but you know I don't know maybe that was somebody else. No, it might have been somebody else, but I think Hellboy's awesome. Okay, all right. I can't wait. I'm super stoked. Sorry, I'm just looking at the Hellboy models again. What? You you look at those yeah. models frequently? No. Uh, pretty much. Uh, you know, six times a day. S- what? Nah. Yeah. No. Right. Nah. I'll tell you what, uh, Wednesday is my next scheduled workout day, so I will look at the Kickstarter then, because that's kind of what I do. I surf the internet while I'm working out, so there you go. Yeah? Do you know what the quickest way to get to it is? Uh, probably on the internet. Uh, well, yeah. I was just going to suggest that you just go to my profile and link to it, because I'm going to back the snot out of this thing. Really? You're going to back the Hell, Hellboy Kickstarter? Nah. Yeah? You don't like Hellboy that much. Oh, I kind of do. Jonathan? Are you aware that there, in the past, was a Hellboy RPG complete with a miniature line that you probably don't know about? No. No, I did not know about this. Yeah. Yeah. Powered by GURPS, my friend. Minis made by Steve Jackson Games, based off of Mike Magnolia's art, no less. So they looked really, really different. You know, not very realistic, but kind of had that weird... Because, like, seeing Mike Magnolia's, like, art in three dimensions is is kind of weird, but kind of rad. Yeah. By Phil Masters and Jonathan Woodward. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I I mean, you don't have to get it. I mean, a real Hellboy fan would. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked you can call yourself an RPG and a Hellboy fan and not have known about that already. But, you know, I mean, that's just me. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit tired of you talking about Hellboy all the time. Turn around. <laughs> 
Every now and then I find a Hellboy RPG on the Amazon.com in my cart. Is it my turn to turn around? Holy crap, no, I'm not putting that in my cart. $192 he used. Uh, Alright, it stings a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look for it on drive. Oh, they probably lost the license. It's probably not on drive through RPG anymore. Yeah, I can guarantee you that's not going to be there. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> go put that on the Christmas list of things I'm never going to get. Next up on the news, buddy. <laughs> uh, WizKids announced a little bit more for their Fury of Dracula remake. Or, or yeah, fourth edition. I'm really excited about this one because I love me some Fury of Dracula. Yeah, so it sounds like it's going to be basically third edition that Fantasy Flight did, but it's going to have the added WizKidsness of slightly larger poker-sized cards, which is that a good thing, Jonathan? Yeah, bigger cards six and one half than the other i guess okay bigger cards is more information there you go there you go so bigger cards and it's going to have whiz kids minis in it it's going to have very specifically uh pre-painted pre-paint, yeah yeah whiz kids style pre-painted minis it's going to have dracula it looks like van helsling mina and my guess is quincy and arthur i think that's who those other two characters are based off of their art not based off actually playing the game which is probably the ninth thing that we're going to have to add to that list of things we're apparently going to do when i visit you uh well i mean we can play third edition because i have it yeah, well, duh yeah but yeah yeah so i love that game i love 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 third edition fury of dracula so i'm super excited about this yeah yeah and i, I the article mentioned that it the the previous edition was going for a hundred dollars or more on on ebay so it's like yeah well because they only got the one print run yeah and then well you know what now you don't need to worry about that just wait till july you'll get it for msrp so there you go with minis there's a little dracula mini he's got teeth because he's a vampire. I'm down. He's a vampire. I think he's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And what about this uh, um, news story you have here about the Crystal Shard? <laughs> have you ever heard of a character in D&D called Driz Duerden? I can't say that I have. What? No, are you lying? No, I am not. What? <laughs> oh, my God, Jonathan. Oh, my God, there's so much to unpack right now. I can know about all kinds of crazy and obscure stuff, and I will completely miss the obvious. Okay. I okay, guarantee okay. you that. Okay, I... Oh... Dude, we may need to have a segment or something. We, we may need... Oh, my God. Okay, okay. Let me. Here, here's how I'm going to explain this to you. We're going to go full SATs here, but in nerddom. Drizdu Erden is to Dungeons & Dragons novels what Wolverine is to Marvel Comics. Does that make sense? Yeah. He, he's, he's the character that uh, is everywhere. Like everywhere in in Forgotten Realms fiction, like like he pops up a lot in video games and just everywhere, and he he's kind of like this anti-hero character who everybody copies and loves, you know, like yeah. like back when he first came out, like everybody was playing a Drow Ranger. He's a, he's a dark elf. He's a good dark elf, and but he's mopey and 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 kind of kind of brooding, and yeah, and and people love him or hate him, Jonathan. People love him or hate him. Kind of like Dan in Street Fighter. You know, I never played. What that would be third strike, alpha no alpha two uh, alpha no, two. Dan yeah Dan would have been alpha. Uh, no, he was the original alpha. I never played alpha one, so I don't know about that. But yeah yeah that that, that that's Driz. So so the first novel that Driz appears in, although it is not his first novel chronologically that he appears in, is uh, is called the Crystal Shard, and it was released thirty years ago. So the Driz novels are thirty years old, which makes me feel stupidly old. Because I, I didn't get on the Drizzt bandwagon when Drizzt was, like, new and cool. I think it was technically the seventh book in the Drizzt Duerden saga that came out in my recollection, you know? Like, I remember that one being new. But even then, man, it, it's, it's been a, Drizzt has been around for a while, and, and it makes me feel old. 
30 years, man. That character's been around for 30 years. Dude, Jonathan, you got you to gotta read. I'll read. You know I will. Okay. Uh, 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 do, do you want to do chronological reading, or do you want to do uh, the, the order of actual novel release? Always chronological for me. All Always. right. Well, that's good, because this is the best one of his. Uh, uh, read the book Homeland by R.A. Salvatore. All right. It's on the list. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, 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 I'm a fan. Like... Um, my, my personal opinion is I think Driz got like a little too big. So his like novel series, cause there's like 30 of them or something crazy. There's a lot, there's a lot of Driz novels. They're just fun, goofy novels about a dark elf. Who's not a bastard. And the first novel is really, really fun because he lives in a dark elf city where the dark elves, there are bastards and they're awful. It's just, it's, it's like, it's like fantasy up to 11 because it's, it's none of this like, Oh, this is kind of like vaguely medieval. It's like, no, these are, these are magical dark elves who live in, you know, caves and enslave goblins and, you know, worships pet spiders and stuff. It's, it's, it's great. It's a good novel. It's fun. All right. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> Homeland, Homeland chronologically, because it's the prequel trilogy before the, the, the crystal shard trilogy, which is also very good. I, I enjoyed that. Anyway, moving on. Drishchurn 30. Cheers. Many happy returns, Drizzt. And last but not least, and this this came out today, and it's very exciting. Yeah, it is. I'm really, I'm so stoked about this. Uh, pre-orders for Mask Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition begin April 28th in five short days. So it's probably been going on a couple days by the time this podcast comes out, because I th- five days from now would be, what, Saturday? Uh, yes, it would be. You know what yeah. that is. Uh, the sixth day of the week? No, it's the... Third day after the Hellboy Kickstarter goes on, just saying. It's it's also the first. There, it's also the the first Saturday of uh, Avengers Infinity War release. I I wouldn't know about things like that, but I can tell you that the Hellboy Kickstarter is this coming Wednesday, (laughs) which will be in the past when you're listening to this. So last Wednesday, you can pre-order the. uh, They're going. They're partnering with Modifius Entertainment, who make. uh, I think they they're also the ones that release like Tales from the Loop, and they make a lot of role playing games. Yeah, Modifius makes some really really good stuff. They do the. um, Modifius does the Aktun Cthulhu, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that world. It's a cool world. They're partnering with them. It sounds like there's going to be an English release, like over here, which is yay. We we love role playing games over here in the United States. Huzzah! I'm ready for it. I'll I'd pick this up in a heartbeat. I think it looks cool. So there's going to be a core. Uh, there's going to be a core rule book that's up. Uh, there's going to be a collector's edition of the core rule book if if you're into such things. Uh, they're going to have a screen. They're going to have dice. They're going to have a Camarilla book, and they're going to have an Anarchs book. And if you want to buy all three of those books in a groovy slipcase, you can go ahead and do that, too, and get them all in one package. And they're also going to have a notebook that is Vampire 5th Edition themed, so you can write down notes. And uh, were this the 90s, I would assume any vampire player probably writes dark poetry and, uh, and, and deep thoughts in their notebook, but I don't know if that's something people do in 2018. I don't know. I guess we're going to find out real soon. <laughs> I'll be uh, working on my uh, vampire haikus very soon. Nice. Nice. So the pre-orders will ship in August, they said. So which makes me think this will be at Gen Con because August. And uh, they say it should hit store shelves in September, which also makes me think Gen Con because that's when everything that got released at Gen Con actually hits, you know, everywhere else is usually early September. So but yeah, yeah, you could pick it up at your local store. You could pre-order it and get it shipped to you a little bit early whatever you want to do baby get a collector's edition it'll be awesome all right well are you ready for a quick couple news bites yes yes and you know what i'm i'm very happy for jonathan what's that you copied the links into the thing that's so nice you're welcome i know news bite number one 
Guess what we are getting from the makers of Wings of Glory and Sails of Glory? I don't know, you cheeky, cheeky man. You're not doing them in the order, so I have something else completely (laughs) different. I know the way your mind works, you linear, sir. Oh, oh, you got me with your three-dimensional thinking. I'm like Khan, and you're like Kirk. You just blasted me with the torpedoes, and I'm going to have to turn on the Genesis device. That's fair. I'll allow it. (laughs) Well, we are getting a Battlestar Galactica Starship Battles game. And what's super cool about this I almost spit my coffee. Holy crap. (laughs) What? You all right? (laughs) Yeah, I almost spit out my coffee. I'm like, Battlestar Galactica? I love that show. Starship Battles. So, uh, Wings of Glory is, of course, the precursor to X-Wing. That's what X-Wing is based off of. And Sails of Glory kind of used a similar system, but with sailing ships. So now we're getting Battlestar Galactica starship battles from these designers. It's uh, Andrea Angiolino and Andrea Mainini. I'm pretty sure I butchered both of those names. If anybody wants to correct me, please feel free. Anyway, it's going to have licenses for both the 1970s TV show and the 2010 TV show. We get modern Colonial versus Cylon ships, and we get uh, classic Colonial versus Cylon ships. I'm about and to say something hateful to you people on the internet, and I apologize. I really hated the original show. I, I just loathed it. And I, I try to stay positive here. I'm revoking your internet privileges. Uh, They're gone. Can, can I finish my thought? Can I finish my thought? Can I finish my thought? Anyway, I hated the original show, but you know what? The ships in that show were amazing. Yeah, they were. Amazing. So I, I, I do love the classic ships, and I like the new ships, too. Well, the, the ship, the minis that come in the game are going to be fully assembled and already painted, and hmm. they're going to have um, special bases that kind of help with the gameplay mechanics, and it looks awesome! Now, it's going to be a, available for preview at Gen Con 2018. There's no firm release dates yet, so we'll let you know when it comes, because I'll be ordering it! Because <laughs> I have no self-control, and this is this is pandering to my childhood. Next up on... Yeah, and you know what? You know what's awesome about the fact that they're going to do the original ships you can do uh you can relive the uh science fiction classic that was done on probably one of the best episodes of mst3k ever and also reenact a space mutiny because it you it just borrowed effect shots from battlestar galactica because there you go yeah there you go yeah it's a good time well next up on the news bites red raven games uh of course that's ryan lockett's company is releasing a new game and it's going to be exclusive to target and it's called megaland and he actually has a uh co- design credit with his wife marjorie mega land mega land <laughs> i don't and know why push, that title is so well, amusing, it's a push it your is. luck game set in the video game uni- in a video game universe you're going to be collecting monsters to collect coins to build up your world it's going to be two to five players you get to improve your character you get to build bowling alleys and arcades and all kinds of weird stuff and it's going to be great that looks fun it looks super cute i love the art yeah, no, it looks great. It looks fantastic. And it's a Target exclusive from what I'm seeing. It is indeed. It is indeed, which is really interesting. Target's really vying for those uh, board game dollars. Uh, there's some good money there. Um, yeah, and there's been, been some great games. I mean, you and I both love us some Bob Ross Art of Children. <laughs> that game's amazing. That, that game, game has no business being as awesome as it is. <laughs> no, I don't, but it's great. And finally, Star Wars Rebels are coming to your board game tabletop because we got a new Imperial Assault expansion. This one based all around Rebels, and it has all the Rebels characters in it, and that is Tyrants of Lothal, the expansion. I should probably watch that show. 
show's phenomenal. It just ended, so now you can watch everything. And that's it for our news bites. Good stuff all around. Lots of good news. I love this time of year because we get to see everything that'll be going to Gen Con, so we start to get all this great news. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Gen Con looks pretty sweet this year. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it really dearly does. And now it is, of course, time for our Year in the Life segment. The segment where we look back at what we deep dove a year ago, and we have 365 seconds to talk about it again. And if we want to go longer, well, that really means we need to take that sucker off the shelf and uh, play it. So, without any further ado, what did we review a year ago? Forgot My Dice, episode 17, a full, slow clap. That was Dresden Files, right? That was Dresden Files, yeah, the Dresden Files cooperative card game. I have been playing the living daylights out of that lately because the app came out. Oh, yeah, you talked about that. Yeah, and the app is really, really good, and the game is really, really good. I've played that game probably about, uh, I'd say about two dozen times in the last year. It's a pretty regular to come out. It's it's a great little co-op game. It plays super quick. It's relatively easy to set up, and it, it's just, it's a grand, it's a grand, great, fun title. It's got a paladin in it. It and, does indeed. Yeah, you're, yeah, that's it. I had Drew Paladin. Yeah, you did. Paladin. You did. Yeah, yeah. I, I went and re-listened that episode and, and got to hear my Paladin ex- obsession. Yeah, it's still there. Still got a lot of love for the Paladins. <laughs> I still got a lot of love for uh, Dresden Files. That game is great. Should it be the 10th uh, the thing to go on the list when I come visit? Because I haven't played it since we played it when we reviewed it. It's only going to take us like 20 minutes, so yeah, I'm down. <laughs> At this rate, you're, we're going to have to talk my wife into letting me come out for another vacation sometime. Um, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Gina, if you're listening, duh. <laughs> She's listening. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, she just she she's listening to this. She uh, she just perked up at work. It was like, oh hell no, he's not leaving me here with these kids. To which I reply. Uh, they're fine? Yeah, well, to which I reply. I, I took care of the kids for four out. days. They're going to be okay. Just uh, put, it, put the bowl in the corner. Yeah. It's okay. They'll be fine. Throw some some uh, goldfish crackers down, kind of like you know, chicken right. feed. <laughs> let, right. let them peck them off the ground. It'll be fine. That's right. If you scatter them far and wide, it's also a game. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Jonathan? Yes. Allow me to congratulate you on winning Father of the Year. <sighs> you know, it's been a long road to get here. It was a team effort. I'd like to uh, thank a lot of people. But unfortunately, I think I'm going to get played out by the music real soon. So uh, just thank you. Thank you to everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, basically, look, here's the deal with Dresden. Uh, it's fantastic. It's a great game. Go buy the physical version. Uh, if you are not so inclined, uh, go buy the digital version because it works really, really good as an app. And I really enjoyed this game. I really can't say enough good things about it. It's just, it's it's very well designed. It's very taut. It's very tense. And it's never easy. And that's, that's all the right things. And it uses Fate Dice, which is rad. Yes. Yes, indeed it is. I love Fate Dice. The mathematic curve on those just makes me so happy, Jonathan. It's so stupid, but it's so good. <laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of the year in life, and that, of course, brings us to our next break, which means we will be back in just a few minutes after a short, short note from our sponsors. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by doing one of the following. 
You can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash fmdpodcast. We also have Facebook comments enabled for all our posts at forgotmydice.com. You can also message us or tweet us on Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us on Patreon, where we post outtakes and other bonus content. And if you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Store. Lastly, for those of you who want control to sanction the podcast, pick up your shoe phone and call Agent 82. Chief, it's acceptable to get podcasts on our wristwatches. It won't be distracting. I, I just don't even know what's happening right now. Well, it's classified, Jonathan. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Oh, we've got to get these things upgraded from the 1960s. And welcome back. It is now time for our deep dive. And on tonight's episode, Dinosaur Island. Nope, can't afford it. <laughs> In Dinosaur Island, players have to collect DNA, research the DNA sequences of extinct dinosaur species, and then combine the ancient DNA and the correct sequence to bring these prehistoric creatures back to life. Dino cooking! All players will compete to build the most thrilling park each season, and then work to attract and keep alive the most visitors each season that the park opens. Do you go big and create a pack of velociraptors? They definitely excite the potential visitors. You better make a large enough enclosure for them, and hire some, read a lot of, security, or they will break out and start eating your visitors, and we all know how that ends. You can play it safe and grow a bunch of herbivores, but then you aren't going to have the most exciting park in the world. So maybe buy a roller coaster or two to attract visitors to your park the good old-fashioned way. Well, are you ready to talk about this game? Uh, Jonathan? I was born ready to talk about this game. Well, hold on to your butts. Okay. Oh, yeah, this is going to be great. (laughs) So many Jurassic Park quotes we get to meld into this. It sounds a bit like totally not Jurassic Park the board game. Yeah, that's a really good way of saying it. So basically the game happens in a couple different phases. You've got five primary phases. Uh, In the first phase, you do what's called research, and that involves some dice chucking. And uh, there's a bunch of custom dice in this, and they're really, really pretty dice, too. They're um, uh, transparent and amber-colored, and it's kind of cool because they are DNA dice, and they have different DNA sequences on them. And again, very thematic, very well done. You have three things that you can do. Uh, Once you chuck the DNA dice, you get a chance to either research DNA, which basically lets you uh, basically get points uh, on a certain track that you can spend later on dinosaurs. You can increase cold storage, which lets you um, house more of those DNA points. Or you can actually procure a recipe. So assuming you have enough DNA points, you can actually buy a recipe to start breeding a specific kind of dinosaur. Hmm. Okay. Makes sense so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question, question. Yes. Can you, like, throw all of these dice and arrange them in such a way that they look like Mr. DNA? Uh, no, but he is uh, uh, the, totally not Mr. DNA. Is is heavily referenced in both the rulebook and in some of the materials <laughs> in the game. Nice. He's, is he Mr. RNA? No, no, I think he's just totally mi- not Mr. DNA. <laughs> so the DNA fragments, basically, uh, you, you, you either farm them, you increase your ability to store them, or you use them to buy yourself some dinos, which will come into to play in a later phase. Yeah, ne- next up we have the market phase. And so in the market phase, you have a couple different things that you can do. You can hire a specialist, and specialists are, are basically gameplay modifiers that, generally speaking, will give you more meeples, uh, which equals more workers that you can use later on. You can also buy attractions, 
and you buy an attraction and you then build it in your park into one of the these spots that's available to build on and these this is a there is a finite number of spots that you can build on so keep that in mind and everything will have a cost associated with it and this game is very money driven there's a, a really great economic engine uh, in it and it's primarily fueled by um, the people coming into your park which happens in a slightly in a slightly later phase uh, you can also buy a lab upgrade so when you buy upgrades to your lab that actually changes the cost and how you create dinos and it gets a lot easier to create dinos if you have a better lab. That makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, the last thing you can do is you can purchase DNA. And if you purchase DNA, it lets you. Um, it basically lets you create a dinosaur a little later on in in the in the round. So it, let's say that you are a few DNA short. You're not getting what you need from the dice, so you can actually pay money to get that DNA. So you're never quite stuck. Makes sense. All right, well, next up is the worker phase. And in the worker phase, you get a bunch of different things that you can do. So the first thing is the refining DNA action. And this action basically lets you take a recipe for one of the dinosaurs and you assign a worker to that um, to a specific tile in your lab. And that will let you spend the DNA and basically get that attraction for your park. So, uh, I'm sorry. No, that doesn't let you get the attraction for your park. That basically lets you change DNA uh, from one type to another type, just in case you don't have specifically what you need for a specific dinosaur, right? Okay. So, uh, for instance, you could take a blue and a purple DNA, and you can refine that down into a green DNA. Because, you see, there's two types of DNA. There's basic DNA and advanced DNA. And the basic DNA is generally what you'll get from the dice. The advanced DNA is a little harder to come by, and that's why you have to do the refining. Okay, another action you can take is creating the actual dinos. That's where you spend your DNA, and then you get the dino to put out on your, your park. Now, another action you can take during this phase is increasing security. Now, you're probably wondering, why is security important? Well, guess what? The, the copy I, I just read kind of said it. Dinosaurs get out, and then they eat people. Well, that's right, but, you know, if Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. Yes, that's true. I think that makes me a clever girl. Dude, I am I'm I'm wincing. These are bad. <laughs> They're just Jurassic Park quotes. I didn't I, write it. I, I I know, but you're blame Dave Coop. Yeah. <laughs> but you are correct. You need to increase security because security is what keeps the park visitors from getting eaten. Can, can I tell you something, Jonathan? Yes. It's it's very obvious to me that you have a deplorable excess of personality. Oh, that was a good one. I Bing. Like that. I like that. You're on the board now. Three to two. <laughs> I like that. Very well done. Very well done. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I broke you with that. Nice. God help us. We're in the hands of engineers. <laughs> ah, that's four. So, moving right along. So, yeah, you need to increase security because security is going to prevent your park visitors from getting eaten by dinosaurs. And this is all controlled on a track. So, basically, if you introduce herbivores, they don't really have a, a, a negative effect on the park. But they also don't act as quite as uh, as, as intense an attraction as the uh, car, um, carnivores, right? Right. If you introduce carnivores, well, then that brings up your threat level. And your threat level is directly countered by the number of security officers that you have in the park. And again, this is all done via worker placement, which is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of dig the, the whole DNA thing because uh, I, I remember reading the the Jurassic Park book when they got into how they made dino DNA. And they, they yeah, they had to do some some shenanigans. and Yeah, they spared no expense. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's six. <sighs> okay, for one, that's not even a good quote. What are you talking about? We spared no expense is the quote. No, no, that's him referencing how cool his park is and like his cool ice cream and 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 all of that. What you should have what you should have quoted you was can't Mr. Just DNA. Suppress 65 million years of gut instinct. Oh, there's number 7. You're, oh, you're reaching too hard, Jonathan. You're not even getting hey, the right I know one. this movie inside and out. I've probably watched Jurassic Park 200 times. Uh, trying too hard. So, uh, are you ready to talk about the park phase, which is next? The fourth phase? Sure. All right, so in the park phase, there's a couple different things that you can do as well. So the first thing you're going to do is attract visitors. Um, you basically, and this is where things start to get interesting, you have a bunch of different meeples, and you throw those meeples into a bag. And as you bring different dinosaurs and different attractions into your park, this raises an excitement level, right? So the excitement level basically determines how many of those meeples you're going to need to pull out of the bag. Now, here's the fun thing. In the bag are two different kinds of meeples. There's visitor meeples, and then there's hoodlum meeples. Or hooligans, I believe it's called in the in the manual. If you pull out a visitor, that's great. You put them in line, they're going to pay an entrance fee, and that means that your park is going to generate revenue. If you pull out a hooligan, well, guess what? They get to go first in line because they push and elbow their way to the front. <laughs> they do not pay to get in. And, um, yeah, they don't really help you. And they're basically chipping away at your profits, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. So now you've determined how many people are going to be coming into your park. At that point, you manage lines. So you take the number of visitors that you have uh, pulled from the bag, and you start moving them from the line outside of the park to the different attractions in the park, because the different attractions have a different number of meeples that they can hold. So here's the trick, though. Because hooligans muscled their way to the front of the line they get placed first. And generally, you're not always going to have enough available locations. So guess what? Once again, you're you're pre- being prevented from letting paying customers into the park because these hooligans are taking up space. Okay. Now, once everybody's in the park, you're going to need to uh, manage it with your security officers because that's the point where dinosaurs may get out on the loose if your threat level exceeds your security level. Now, after all this, at this point, we have researched DNA, we have assigned our workers to the different functions of the game, we've let our our, our visitors into the park, and at this point, we do a little bit of cleanup, we reset everything, and we start over. Hey, Jonathan, can I interrupt you and ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. Now, eventually, you do plan on having dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour, right? (laughs) Ah, well done. Well done. You know what you call a blind dinosaur's dog? Do you think you see a Saurus Rex? Ah, well done. You remembered. You remembered. <laughs> Life found a way. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Jonathan, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here s- staggers me. Oh, man. That was well done. Well, you just slid that one right in there. <laughs> Remind me to thank you for a lovely weekend. <laughs> After careful consideration, I have decided not to endorse your park. <laughs> Oh, when you gotta go, you you gotta go. <laughs> that is essentially the different phases of the game. Anything calling out to you? Anything uh, not making sense there? No, no. I, li- I like the I like the idea of hooligans. I don't know how hooligans got to totally not Jurassic Park, you know, but because it, uh, it's, it's on it's on an island. Did they swim? Oh, who knows? Who they knows? stow away. But I like the idea that you you've got problematic customers. I think that's cute. Yeah, and they're hooligans, which is just a funny word. Hooligans, right? Yeah, hooligans. Yeah. 
that's a good word. It's just a fun word to say. So ba- basically, the, the the game looks very intimidating when you first lay it out because there's a lot of different boards and whatnot that relate to the different uh, steps. But once you've been through the steps once, everything makes perfect perfect sense, and everything's very very well labeled. So all the different components that you lay out on the board will actually tell you what phase they apply to. And one of the things I really like about the game is there is a ton of options in the box. So that means that um, once you have had an opportunity to to do some of these actions, you know, the different dinosaurs that come out or the different actions or workers that you hire for your park, there are well, well in excess of what you need to play the game in the box. So that gives you a lot of variety for replay, which is great. I mean, essentially, it's five basic steps. You research, you go to the market to get the things that you need, you assign your workers to the different functions of the park. You let everybody into your park. You make a little bit of money, clean everything up, and start over. That's that's the, the, the essence of the game. And it's just so quick and fun to play. It really is just a breeze and a blast to play. Sounds interesting, though. I like little meeple games. You you would really like this game. I, I can tell you from experience. Jonathan, you, you for, for the love of God, we can't add more to this list. We're like filling up a second trip. Some things are going to go. Uh, this is not one of the ones that's going to go. This Everything's not going to go. You say that about everything. I'm willing to trade certain things for this. This, <sighs> this is this this has a worthy place on this list. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like take some sort of like amphetamine or something and just stay awake. That's fine. I'm down with that. <sighs> yeah. Well, you don't sleep like a normal man. You've got like a superpower or something. I that's I true, do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you up to to hang out with me. No. 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 I ah. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to distract you. Jonathan, how's that rulebook? The rulebook's actually quite good. It's a little intimidating the first time you look at it. Again, this is very similar to the layout of the board on the uh, on the table. Everything about this game is a little bit intimidating when you first come to it, but when you settle in and start to read it, the rulebook's actually quite, quite good. And one thing that they do in here that I really, really enjoy and appreciate is they have a lot of gameplay examples in context where they set up the situation, they tell you what the person is trying to do, and then they tell you what the outcome is. So it really gives you a, a, a clear view of how the rule works, and that's really neat. And a testament to the rules, it's only like a 15 or 16 page rulebook. I mean, there's not a ton of rules in the game. Where this game gets its legs is in in how many actions there are that you can take and how they all interact together, and more importantly, all that great replay value in the box. Oh, wow. I'm looking at the Kickstarter for the second printing. I like the art. Yeah, no, the art's fantastic. The art in the first printing is great, too. So, Jonathan, tell me how these components are, because they just did a Kickstarter for a second printing. Is the first and the second printing kind of basically the same thing, or they changed some of the art up, or...? It really depends on what you got. Um, so my copy is the retail copy. So I have one type of dinosaur in my meeples, but every single component in this box is of really great quality and everything just shines. I mean, when when you get the box, it's one of the heaviest board game boxes I've got on my shelf. It's surprising how heavy this sucker is. And once you dig into it, you can see why. There's just a lot of value in that box. And in the Kickstarter version, you're getting all that same value, and you're just getting a little more variety in terms of meeples and options and stuff like that. A little bit. Wow, there's a lot of different types of meeples in this uh, Kickstarter. So I'll give you an example. I I did not hear about the game in time uh, to join in the first Kickstarter. Uh, My own fault. I just happened to not be paying close attention to Kickstarters that month, and I just missed it. And I always regretted it, and so I picked up a retail copy of the game, and I loved it so much that I actually went and backed the second printing so that I could get all the cool stuff for it. Yeah. 
Now I love the uh, they kind of have that vaguely '80s art style going on. Yeah, it, it's very much an, a late '80s, early '90s vibe. There's a lot of uh, very bright pinks and uh, almost neon colors. You, you could uh, they, they could have gone the route of trying to make it look kind of like the movie or, or even the book, and they didn't. They kind of because the book I believe came out in the late late '80s, right? If I remember, yes. Remember my timeline correct? So yeah, I like how they decided to kind of channel that sort of like late '80s sort of vibe. Instead of doing something else, because yeah, it still has all kinds of homages to the to the, the the book and movie. Yeah, yeah, no, I know it does, but it 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 gives it its own sort of distinct identity beyond that too, which I think is probably a good thing. Instead of just, I I appreciate that they didn't like try to like directly attack my nostalgia. They sort of just went about my Jurassic Park nostalgia in a roundabout way, which I can appreciate. And the colors are just bright and nice. Everything about this game is bright and nice. That's a great way of describing its table presence. I wonder if they did that on purpose, you know, because they they knew the game was intimidating just with the number of boards and pieces. So they made all the colors kind of bright and nice because it's like, how can you be intimidated? Look at this pink and this yellow. It's a friendly color. I do not know, but I do know that it all comes together really, really well. And um, I've sat down and taught this to a couple different people now. And it's funny because everybody goes through the exact same range of emotions. The first time they look at it, they're, they're genuinely worried. And they think they've bitten off more than they can chew. Uh, and then the first turn is a lot of like, oh, can I do this? Oh, can I do that? And then the second turn, everybody's making decisions right off the bat because they know how it works. They know how it plays. And there's really, we found very few reasons anytime I've played this game to go back to the rule book. It's just all very laid out quite nicely. Oh, and they have wooden, oh, I can just make a theme park sim, play my own way. That looks fun. Screw your dinosaurs. I'm just going to make roller coasters. I love making roller coasters. <laughs> that, that is an option that you have, I suppose. Yeah. I wonder if it'd work. Maybe I'll, I'll try. If, if we end up playing this game, maybe I'll do a round like it and see if it's viable. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, when you come out, you're going to need to make a list of all the things that you want to play. And I'm going to let you prioritize it because I have a lot of these games available to me at all times. What's the best player count for this? Honestly, I, I've played it with two and I've played it with four and it works on both accounts. They're, they're, this game scales quite nicely. There's a lot of specific setup rules and um, some uh, minor changes to the rules to help it scale. And it scales very well. You can even play it alone in a one-player mode. Oh, man, they went full 90s. They call it the the Dulasaur Island Extreme Edition. Yeah, no, they bit into the 90s bug hard in all the right ways. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Dulasaur Island. I remember liking that word when I heard it. Okay, um... Is it is it cap at four players or? Uh, yes, I although I do believe that the new expansion coming out, I think expands it to five. I think. Don't quote me on that. Okay, it's not like we're on a podcast or anything, so it matters. Looking at the render of the totally liquid expansion, it says two to four players, so I'm I'm assuming no. And if it wasn't obvious, by the way, you were talking about this game. Is it fun, Jonathan? Because I don't know, I could tell. Oh, so much fun! There's so many options. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it tickles that worker placement feel, but it's got such great theme that it kind of gets to that thematic feel as well. And, and what's really just absolutely phenomenal about it is just how many different ways there are to score points and, and get a little bit closer to victory. It, 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 it is truly great in its execution, and I, I couldn't love it any more than I do. Yeah, Gina likes worker placement games. We could probably con her into playing this too. Fair enough. I'll, I'll allow it. 
also she likes games where you know you're not directly like shanking each other but you're just kind of doing your own thing but you know trying to win at the same time yeah there's some minor shanking but not much um most of it is pretty much you're you're building you're focused on your own park and that's okay you don't have any dennis nedry cards where you can try to pay someone off to steal stuff no (laughs) there's a couple little things like that but they're 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 few and far between i dig it i mean i yeah i actually kind of want to play this it's grand. It's really, it's genuinely good. Like, I'm really impressed by it. It sounds super cool. It is super cool. Well, that, of course, brings us to the end of another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. It's our big 4-0. I completely yeah, just dude, spaced dude. right there. Just blank. Yeah, you really did. You just really nothing. did. Just Should nothing. try that again? I don't have anything to say to that. All right. <laughs> I don't know what to no. say to 40. I this is 40, Robert. Oh, God, it just keeps giving. That uh, no yes. no that wasn't Once even again. a Jurassic Park quote no 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 I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> Don't hate, appreciate. Well, that, of course, does bring us to the end of the episode, which means it's time for us to thank you once again for listening. If you want to join our conversation, which we'd love it if you do. Hop onto all of our different digital domains. Of course, primarily we've been uh, communicating through our Facebook fans group. Uh, Robert, how do folks find that? Uh, you go to ForgotMyDice.com and you click on the Facebook button on the top of the, the sidebar thingy. Because I changed the link while we were between the, the uh, between segments. So now it goes there. There you go. There you go. Bam. And with that, that brings us to the end of the episode, which of course means, Robert, any final thoughts? Yes. So my final thoughts were going to be, I changed the button on the Facebook page to go to the Facebook <laughs> fans group. you've already addressed that, sir. <laughs> I know. You're a jerk. You stole my thunder. <laughs> I was all prepped for that. And I said it. And I'm like, yeah, I did those final thoughts. And then it's like, wait a minute. No, I didn't. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. What am I going to say? I got nothing. Poor man. It's okay. Uh, No, no, you should totally go to the the Forgot My Nice Fans Facebook group. You you should totally go because uh, a friend of the show, Ray Greenlee, uh, you know, during a conversation, he's like, does anybody want any audio books to listen to that I've done? Because I will give them out because you are excellent and admirable hobbits. So, yeah. So the gift that keeps on giving, join the Facebook group, please. Absolutely. And until then, it'll be another two weeks and you will get a Forgot My Dice episode 41. Until then... Uh, oh my gosh, 42 is coming up. That's like the answer to life, the universe, and everything. I'm much more interested in that. Maybe we should plan something special for 42. I, I have no idea what we could do, but yeah, yes. you can show up with a final thought, Robert. I always have a final thought. I just had one. It was the Ray Greenlee thing. See? See, that was my save. Every now and then I get a little bit tired and you never come around. All right, on that dulcet tone, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you in two weeks on episode 41. Party on, Robert. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely. And you know. All right, I got it. Party on, Tom. <laughs> Party on, Robert. <laughs> Every now and then I get a little bit terrified And then I see the look in your eyes Every now and then I fall apart Oh god, we're gonna get sued And I need you now, tonight I need you more than
than ever. And if you'd only hold me tight, we'd be holding on forever. Party on, Jonathan. Oh, God, this is what hell's like. <laughs> All right, we will see you in two weeks. <laughs> party, party on, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it stops with these shenanigans. It's out of control. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 